For the next segment of The Remedy, I'm going to explore the Hindu approach to healing, which should serve as a useful point of comparison with the worldviews we have already explored. The notion of karma takes centre stage in all Hindu traditions and is particularly relevant when it comes to understanding suffering. The law of karma simply states that what goes around comes around. In other words, any suffering we endure, either mental or physical, is the consequence of suffering we have imposed on others previously, either in a current or a past lifetime. This does not necessarily mean that suffering is a punishment. Instead, it is a natural consequence of the moral laws of the universe regulating our behaviour. The prime importance of karma in this tradition requires that Hindus take a holistic approach to health and well-being. In the Ayurvedic tradition in particular, mind and body are one, and so there is no such thing as an exclusively physical or mental illness. Physical pain may be the result of our poor personal conduct, for instance, and so can also be remedied through changes to our behaviour. Practising yoga, which literally means to yoke together, allows Hindus to focus on connecting the mind with the body. This will allow them to work on balancing their physical, spiritual and mental karma and also has a number of health benefits. For instance, it can reduce blood pressure and relieve stress. Making sense of the law of karma is also supposed to be therapeutic in itself. Hinduism promotes coping with suffering by accepting it as fair and just. This means understanding that it is not random and not unfair, according to karma, it is exactly the correct situation for the individual to be in, based on their previous actions. In alleviating our suffering, Hinduism also wants us to understand that whilst the body may be in pain, the self, or the soul, is not affected. In the Bhagavad Gita, which is a very famous and important Hindu text, Arjuna explains that the soul is rather different to the body. He says, weapons do not cut it, fire does not burn it, waters do not wet it, and wind does not weather it. Therefore, if the self is something beyond physical, then all of our physical pain is actually just a temporary state, and one that does not affect our inner self or our soul. This in itself is intended to offer some consolation for those that are suffering. Hinduism also promotes a philosophy of detachment. Being attached to anything is understood as a stumbling block to achieving liberation from the cycle of birth and rebirth, which is called samsara. Only by recognising that the self can be detached from this physical world of suffering can the self escape it. This means that if we are able to stay neutral and detached and calm in the face of pain and not desperately strive for pain relief, then we can ultimately be liberated from all forms of suffering. I'm joined today by Matthew Martin, a doctoral student at the University of Oxford. Matthew is researching Hinduism in Nepal and Kerala in South India, and he has a keen interest in Eastern ideas about mind and body. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Naomi. So the Hindu tradition suggests we try to detach ourselves from the pain we are experiencing in order to relieve it. Trying to ignore pain seems to me to be unnatural and also unrealistic. How would Hindus respond to that criticism? Well, I think for the majority of Hindu practitioners, pain and awareness of pain is vital in order to recognise symptoms of ill health and that you actually have an underlying medical problem. So I think you have to have an awareness 
of pain before you have a diagnosis. But I think some Ayurvedic doctors actually suggest that pain can occur in perfectly good health and that sometimes a preoccupation with pain is a psychological problem and that this can divert patients to use antibiotics or drugs without really needing to. So they focus more on uh, self-healing. I think the only instance of people actually rejecting the body and pain entirely is rather idealistic. Um, and this is usually um, reserved for Hindu holy men and women called renouncers. And they attempt to completely reject the body and the cycle of rebirth, which you just discussed, called samsara, in order to achieve a higher form of spiritual liberation. That's really interesting, Matt. So does that mean that the average Hindu who's not focusing their whole life on trying to reach enlightenment aren't advised to detach from the pain? Or if they are advised to detach from it, how do they do that? What is the method that would be suggested for them? Uh, well, I think it's mostly uh, religious observance, meditation, um, and also um, different forms of breathing exercises. And very much healing is holistic in South Asia. So there's many different forms and you don't really need to stick to one particular tradition. Does that mean that the average person who's not committed their life to becoming a holy man is also not trying to reach enlightenment? Usually I think um, it's a cycle. I think it, you need to, in order to fully reject the body, you need to follow a strict uh, path of renunciation through this detaching from the body. And I think for a majority of Hindu practitioners, this is, isn't possible. So mm. I think they do try to alleviate pain and mm. they are somewhat attached to the body. One of the ways that you've suggested in addition to meditation is also yoga, which is obviously mm. really important in Hinduism. And this could be a way that suffering could stop and also Practicing yoga could also actually change our behavior more generally. Yeah. Seems really helpful. But mm. if somebody is already quite sick, they're physically incapacitated, they're lying in a bed, yes. they might not be in a position to do yoga and engage in these quite physically demanding activities. So yeah. what else could they do then? Uh, well, I think there's many, many different methods that you could use in order uh, for uh, to do this. And I think uh, if you can't do physical yoga, then you can adopt a form of breathing yoga called uh, pranayama, uh, which is controlled breathing that calms certain mental states. Uh, and then this also calms the body as well. So there's, there's many, many different ways you can do this. And also um, music actually is used. So, um, playing sacred music, chanting sacred music is very much um, prevalent in uh, many temples in Nepal and India. And it's believed that the vibrations affect and calm muscular tension. And also music is used in public rituals and it's believed to actually rid the area, the social region of disease or any social disputes as well. So music has this, this capacity to really um, to, to calm and also to heal. So one of the themes we've been exploring is how different religious traditions respond to scientific advancements in medicines. Yeah. Could an approach which recommends that we try to kind of 
transcend some of that physical pain lead some Hindus to reject the use of medicine and Western medicine in particular? I mean, how do Hindus feel about medicine generally? Well, I think in both places where I've been doing research in the southern state of Kerala in India, uh, Western medicine is actually considered the most popular, the most effective and has a lot of prestige. Um, But it's also interesting that in Kerala, if you're training to be a doctor, for example, um, all of the doctors, they have um, a foundational training in general medicine. And then from there, they can branch off into different different traditions. For example, they could branch off into Ayurveda, um, Western medicine or hemeopathy. Uh, so it's interesting how ancient medical systems like Ayurveda have been brought into the institution of medicine and their practice on, on the same level. Um, and it's not uncommon for patients who experience certain chronic conditions um, that aren't easily cured. They, they visit multiple um, healers. So, for example, they go to the Western the Ayurvedic, and the kind of local religious healer. So it's very plural the way it works. Um, And also um, in Nepal, in Kathmandu, um, where I was staying, um, some people believe that um, the problems in their bodies are related to stress and that if they visit a certain healer called uh, Abhidya, um, uh, uh, this person has specific religious power that if um, they go with their particular physical problem and the healer would brush that area and then it would be cured because they believe that uh, the area is being attacked by external evil forces called duite. So I think um, systems of medicine in Hindu South Asia are very plural. But I think in India and in Nepal, Western medicine or evidence-based medicine is considered the the most effective. So it's quite an inclusive approach, yes. open to taking on board lots of different types yeah. and doesn't really necessarily try to exclude any in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So overall, if you kind of had to summarise then, what would you say Hinduism can offer people who are suffering and need healing? Well, I think many, many different avenues like we discussed. You can go to a Western and Ayurvedic and also uh, local ritual healers. And they're concerned not with the pain within individuals, but social healing and family healing, like um, Reverend uh, Jody who uh, discussed earlier about uh, about Jesus and um, the, the healing that happens in the social form. Um And these are called rituals of affliction, where an oracle who embodies a particular god called Bhairav, a very powerful masculine god, and um, this oracle then mediates a particular family dispute or a social problem. And then in so doing, this kind of cures the individual who has the problem. So essentially, this works as a kind of religious therapy Thank you, Matt, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We are very fortunate to be in a world where we do have access to healthcare, and there is no doubt that we should harness what is available to us. Our achievements in the medical sciences have been a product of our ingenuity and also our hard work as a species. They should not be taken for granted. But looking towards a spiritual tradition for that little bit extra is something that many of us still do, always have done and always will do. 
When it comes to healing, medicine and religion are simply not mutually exclusive. Ultimately, those who are sick should be free to seek strength wherever they find it, be in ancient philosophies or new scientific insights on their road to recovery. Matt, I'd just like to end by asking you, what song would you suggest uh, from a Hindu tradition that you might recommend for healing? Ah, uh, yeah, this is one I heard quite frequently when I was walking around in, in Kathmandu, and it's um, called the Gayatri Mantra. It's a very old mantra from the Vedas, very, very ancient text, and it's it's, it's excellent. So, Thank you very much. I'm Naomi Richmond, and this is The Remedy. Thank you for listening.